Peer-to-Peer is a podcast to recognize Thomas Nelson faculty, staff, and administrators for work they've done. Whether they're leading a committee or task force, being on the front line for students, or plugging away behind the scenes and keeping the college's heart beating, we want to take the time to let them shine bright about their work and how it can help enrich the Thomas Nelson experience for themselves and others. Michael Sunblad, Dana Margulies Cawthon, Dominique Core, David Garrett, and Kara Friend are the production team bringing She Kills Monsters, a play originally scheduled to be performed live in April of 2020, to the world we live in right now. By taking the playwright's virtual realms adaptation of the script and developing their own unique take, the She Kills Monsters team has turned Zoom into their playground to present a show about loss, fantasy, and family. Please enjoy our conversation with the production team of She Kills Monsters. I'm Jim Worthy, and I'm here with Michael Sunblad, Dana Margulies Cawthon, David Garrett, Dominique Kaur, and Kara Friend, the production team for She Kills Monsters at Thomas Nelson Community College, going to be put on Halloween weekend. It's The dates are Friday and Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So 30th, October 30th and 31st and November 1st. Uh, anybody that listens to this on those dates or before those dates can make sure that you get in there and, and watch the stream of it. And we'll have a, a link to the stream in the description for the podcast as well. So we'll go back a little bit before pre-COVID, back in the halcyon days of uh semi-normal world and Michael this is would have been what 2019 when y'all originally picked this product this show she kills monsters that's correct and it was supposed to be a, a different director at the time and that director left the college so we had to uh, find a new director and uh, then when COVID happened, we had to find a new way of producing the piece as well. So lots of changes took place with this particular title. And what 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 actually got the what helped y'all pick this title? What helped bring She Kills Monsters to Thomas Nelson? It was a title that um, uh, the director really wanted to do, and also um, the acting teacher Sandra uh, Sandra Calderon really liked this piece. It, uh, uh, because of what it speaks to about uh, empowering women, especially young women, women who are around the age of our college students, uh, and the fantasy aspect. And it all kind of fit into our strengths as a department uh, when we thought we were going to be able to present it live on stage. And I didn't know the piece at all. I'd never heard of it. So I, I trusted them implicitly, and, and we picked the piece. Cool. And so we get started with the... 2019-2020 academic year, you've got basically everybody that you had planned the season with was gone at that point, right? Everybody left to go do go do graduate school, new jobs. Uh, you get this fresh, young face, this guy named Jim that I know pretty well that uh, comes in just raring to go, and you start off with Chicago, that was my entrance into it. Y'all were already cast and we're into rehearsals for Chicago and that with Dana on board. Um, at what point, Dana, did you, did you, did you decide you wanted to push to, you know, the direct She Kills Monsters or did it come out of the blue for you to direct it or? 
I well, I was brought in to direct Chicago. Mm-hmm. I was the fresh young face before you were the fresh young face. Exactly. And um, so I, I think I've got a good uh, four weeks longer than you. Um, and I think what I I think um, Michael was waiting to see if we could work together because I think it was closing weekend of Chicago that he asked me if I would be interested in directing He Kills Monsters. Wasn't that, isn't that how the timeline worked? That is how the timeline worked. That is not the reason I waited to ask you. Oh, see, I was thinking that sounded like, I mean, that because, because when you come in as new people and David and I were just talking about this, um, what you bring into a space that you haven't worked in before um, you, you don't know if your style is going to fit in a place where that you're teaching. Yes, and that's true. But you know, when you've had the experience where you're, you, when you're auditioning an actor and you can tell from the first three words of their monologue or the first three notes of their song, you can tell instantly if they're in or out. I knew immediately I started working with you that we were going to be a good match. So the, the delay had nothing to do with you. I just want to put that on the record. It, it was probably more like not wanting to scare me away. <laughs> That's probably more likely. <laughs> Which, but I um, honestly, I, the truth of the matter is, I did not think. I initially didn't think of Dana Margulies Coffin as someone who did a lot of straight theater, someone who mostly does uh, musicals. And and so it, when I asked her, it was just sort of out of the blue, thinking she was going to turn me down, and that's why I waited to ask her. And and I think I'm I'm one of those um, directors who use I do the the more I think when I get to choose I I do the more intellectual type musicals the, the ones that have a message um right, and right, right. there you know in the last in the last few years um so I'm sort of a I I do more of um meaningful plays that sometimes have a whole lot of singing and dancing <laughs> And, um, Had you directed many, many non-musicals, many straight plays before she killed um, Not uh, when I was teaching high school, I had. So it had been, I think I told Mike, Michael said, do you do that? And I think I said, oh, it's been about 15 years, but yeah, I do. It's all the same. You just take out the singing and dancing. The message is the important part. So. Right. All storytelling. Yep. All storytelling, exactly. So, you know, we, we, we got through... Chicago, we get through the holidays, we start a new semester, and you go into um, casting, and you know you, you get your cast together, and you start rehearsing the show. What what point in there during the casting and early rehearsals did you start feeling like this this was a special show? Well, for me, it was. Um, there was one day we, we Dana and I were talking, and I remember she said. She said to me how excited she was about the script and about the story and wanting to get started to work on it. And that's when I knew, I, uh, just because I had worked with Dana on one show, I knew that was the moment it was going to be a success because Dana was so excited about it. And so then I was excited about it when we got into um, the week of casting the show. And I think I was only there for one night of the auditions. I think I had a conflict. Uh, but I could see at the callbacks that it was all going to fall together. There were very few um, 
this is probably not information I should share, but there were there were very few arguments about who belonged in which role. It it fell together very cleanly and neatly, very quickly, following Dana's vision. I think one of one of the things that drew me in is um, the original script, not the one we ended up doing, not the virtual realms, but the original um, takes place in the '90s which is um, a decade very near and dear to my heart. Um, and and I, I could appreciate that. I could appreciate the, the music references in the script. Um, and I think um, we sort of figured out, I don't know if I shared it with the cast, but I figured out that um, Agnes, the lead character, would be exactly the same age as me. And... Um, I tried to put um, our actress in some of my old clothes, and um, I think Kara sort of was going for it. But um, the and the new version is significantly different than the script that we all kind of fell in love with. Right. It's it's much different. It, it takes place twenty years later, thirty. 30 years later. It literally kicks it into the, the age we're in right now with the Zoom calls and the, and the tele, telecommuting. And, and I think the playwright had to do that because this was, this was designed to be something that was done in Zoom or other teleconferencing software. And so to keep it in the 90s, it would be so hard to suspend one's disbelief uh, to have a whole show set in Zoom sure. when right. that technology didn't exist. Right, right. Uh, one of the things that... Uh... I had encountered this script uh, previous to it being suggested for the season. And uh, it's it's a really interesting hybrid piece. There's a strong element of nostalgia, like Dana mentioned. And I think that for folks that, uh, you know, were, were in high school or had just left high school in the time that the play premiered, it really spoke to them. It kind of has this pluckiness to it. There's There's a nerve about this story like it, it kind of flies in the face of what you expect of theater which i think is really great and it also like it can't make up its mind about who the target audience is like it has a lot of components that we see in uh theater for young people and typ but the themes of the play are definitely not necessarily middle or high school curriculum and so when the piece got added to the season, uh, it was very exciting for a variety of reasons. There's like the nerd pride factor. There's, you know, dealing with loss and grief and the spectacle factor. And so it was like, man, that is a monster show. You guys have fun with that. I'm off to grad school. And uh, it it stayed in my brain because uh, I was so excited to hear that Thomas Nelson was doing it that I reached out to Michael, I think probably right before the school semester started end of August after it kind of gotten my bearings down here in Greensboro and was like, Hey, Michael, if you guys don't have a designer for the spring, I know the show inside and out. And I would be very privileged and honored to, to be able to be part of she kills back home. And then COVID COVID. Happened. <laughs> exactly. And so what, how much of a pivot overall did COVID, you know, cause, I know that at one point there was, question whether to even do the show or just let it go. I know early on we were all, everybody across the boards, across the country was like, are we going to be closed down for a month? Are we going to be quarantined for six weeks? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? I know that internally in, in, in college setting and with this show in particular, we were 
hoping that we may be able to mount it during the summer. But once we realize that we're in it for a long haul, how much thought, what were the thought processes about the pivot to the virtual realm? And what was there something that was a, a deciding factor that I really, we're going to make this happen one way or the other virtually? As I, as I recall, we tried to, we tried to put the, the play uh, in July, hoping we would be able to open back up again um, after the first big wave and present it live uh, or live and filmed and streamed somehow. We weren't sure how that was going to work. And as I recall, Dana, maybe you can correct me on this. As I recall, while we were waiting and seeing that the numbers were increasing, there was no chance of our being able to do something in person. At that same time, the playwright came out with this new updated Virtual Realms version that takes place in 2019 for um, video conferencing software. And I think I I may have sent Dana a link to a synopsis of the changes and asked her what she thought of it. And I think that's where, where we started to think, think we would move from trying to do something live to do something online. Dana, is that how that worked? Yeah, I, I, I think we were... Um, it's, I'm not going to use the word unprecedented because we have all used that way too much this year. Um, but we did, we had, we had talked about July. Um, and then, and then when the virtual came out and we read it, I think we kind of said, oh, monsters, Halloween, spooky. Let's, let's go for October. Was, was how it ended up sort of being our fall production. Right. I remember, you know, our conversations of, you know, what were we going to attempt? How were we going to attempt? I know we talked about trying to present it outside at one point. Um, we were all just brainstorming and, and the fact that, you know, y'all took this and ran with it, you know, impresses me to no end. Uh, for David and you and Kara, you know, as the designers, because as we moved to virtual, we didn't have to do a lighting design, obviously, uh, for anybody that knows what happens with designers in theater. But for scene design and for costumes, how much of a pivot was it for you two to have to deal with all of that? For me, it was a bit stressful because a lot of my costumes had green in them. And when you're using a green screen, you're going to lose your actor very quickly. And so uh, I had a, I think probably four costumes had to be completely redone from scratch uh, to accommodate the green screen. Was that something that you caught, thought about really early on, or was it as the production was going along and you know was really gaining traction that you figured that you realized, oh my gosh, this is a hurdle I've got to overcome. It was basically once we transitioned to the virtual realm, um, one one character's costume was predominantly green, and I was like, oh, this is never going to work. I have seen too many newscasters wearing a green shirt and ending up wearing face cast shirts or whatever the internet wants to superimpose on them because they were wearing green. Right. I'd like to add a, a quick footnote. So uh, when virtual realms was decided on, Dana was like, all right, so we've got a script, we've got dates, we're doing virtual realms. But we're not doing Zoom. Like, it's going to be on Zoom. But I don't want it to look like Zoom. I don't want it to feel like Zoom. We're going to kind of wander off into some uncharted territory, which is when the green screens became part of the conversation. Because, you know, if we were sticking right. with 
the model we're in now where we're just chilling in our living rooms. Um, Kira could have probably kept the costumes, but uh, Dana and some some jerk of a scenic designer were like, let's try something new. Let's do something different. Sorry, Kira. <laughs> it's all right. I made it work. Absolutely. What about- I actually like Lilith's costumes better now. The snake was awesome. Yeah, I like. I really like that. Yeah. Uh, for the that's a surprise for whoever's gonna watch it. <laughs> for the uh, scenic parts, David, you know, going from the original design concept of being, you know, transitioning from kitchen to bookstore to dungeon, all on stage, and putting all your you know, your set building, your set design, your, your, your stage craft work, <laughs> and then going, Hey, this is all going to be crammed into zoom screens. <clears throat> How much of a, what sort of added stress did that put on you? Uh, so something that I love about collaborating with Dana in particular is that anytime we work on something together, she, she presents challenges that that make me rethink things in a good way, in a really positive way. Like let's let's put a car on stage, let's let's make a bridge that goes across ten feet of space, eight feet in the air with no legs under it. It'll be fun. Uh, so it was it was kind of perfect timing for me actually because I was able to work on the design as part of my graduate work down here, and so building a model and painting and all of that stuff that we do. For traditional productions, I was able to give it more attention than I might have done had it been, you know, crammed with other projects. The change to Zoom, uh, again, Dana presents this challenge and is like, hey, could we do this thing? And anytime she asks that question as a designer, it's like, oh boy, oh boy. Like, you know, like there's the first moment where you got to like wrap your brain around it and then you just you just jump in like she encourages you to jump in and to try stuff and uh it definitely made life better for me that i was able to deliver like the design package and get feedback and then like make modifications without time or labor like lost like in the way that we would in a traditional environment if we suddenly have to change right. the height of some stairs or you know like 86 platform um the interesting thing is that with the timing of this particular production, it hit <clears throat> right as my my big project for grad school was happening. So it was definitely like like three weeks there of, oh, man, <laughs> like, here we go. But I did get to go to rehearsals and I did get to like, you know, visit with the cast and digitally, virtually, which is always something that I look forward to as a designer is being able to to get those little connections, especially around tech time. Right. Right. Uh, so Dana's director and Michael is producer. I know Michael, you did a lot of the finishing work, the editing of the of the actual video to, to piece it all together. But for the two of y'all, answer together or separate or I don't know what were what was the biggest challenge about doing it virtually? I when when we decided that we were going to do this, um, I put it in my brain because I had seen. Um, I saw national and, and international productions um, where people were just sitting in Zoom and looking straight forward. And to me, it was just beyond unrealistic um, to actually try to act that way. So um, I, 
I got a few of the actors from the show and I started playing around with Zoom and how you can move um, boxes around and what it looks like when you when you make a recording in Zoom. If, if, the, if there are gaps, if this little yellow glowy box shows up when you record. Um, so I did some original, David probably doesn't even remember. I did these awful backgrounds that, um, and I literally chopped them into pieces and sent them to everyone and said, come into Zoom, put this up. And so I, I did that and played around and made some recordings. And I said, you know, I think this can actually work. So David, this is what I need from you, which was probably the, the terrifying moment from him, for him. Um, but so after we did that, and then Michael has the, the super duper software, um, we all know way more about Zoom recordings right now than anybody ever needs to know. Um, you know, we figured out how you could get you know, six people spread across, you know, um, and, and then there's the whole, um, having to learn how to block in zoom because only the people standing on the ends can come and go. If you've got people in the middle, they're stuck for the whole scene. Yeah. See, that's, that's, that is truly something that never occurred to me until you just said it. The, the blocking, how significant that is when you're used to be having your actors enter and exit wherever you want them to, whatever you think looks cool. But yeah, those in the center, those that aren't on the end. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're, they're stuck. And, um, and Dom can help me explain this because I still don't really understand, but we would be in blocking rehearsals and I would say, okay, you are going to enter, um, to the left, you know, like tell them you, you are going to be walking to your left. And, and, you know, I have actors off either side and I'm going, nope, nope, the other way, turn the other. And there was a whole lot of, I even have on one of our little blooper videos that I think I shared with Michael, I've got, they're talking to each other, the, you know, the wrong way. One is looking to the right and the other is looking to the left. And, and I, I think it has to do with um, when you have mirror, mirror my screen clicked yeah. which um they, they really um trying to act in zoom they really had to not look at themselves at all right. um in order i think to to just remember you know what i told them because it, it really had to be muscle memory for the actors because whatever they were looking at on the screen was not what we needed them to do at the moment gotcha um, I feel like that was probably the most difficult part for them. Because when a camera's on, what are you going to do? You're going to look at it. So when they look towards the camera, they see, oh, wait, I'm not moving this way. I should move this way. And I'm like, no, don't even worry about it. Just look here. And then they were like, okay, so left. I'm like, no, listen, stage right. And okay, okay, stage right. And then they say, wait, which is stage right? I'm like, one is to the window, one is to the wall. And they understood that perfectly. So that's what I ran with for like two weeks until and I said, was, stop looking at your camera. And and it was, it's like when you're looking at yourself, you suddenly can't remember which is your right hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, it was, it was a little crazy, wasn't it, Dom? It really. Yeah. Yeah. 
I just say you never need to look right into the camera. So don't even worry about what you're going to see. Just trust the director. If the director says the sky is green, look at that sky. Look how green it is. Call it a day. <laughs> Dom, you're originally originally stage manager for when it was going to be a live production, right? Yeah. And then when it went virtual, you also slid into a supporting role as well, right? Yeah. Did I? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the only one we told to actually look at the camera, she has one line, and I said, "You, you actually have to, to look, look actually out at the audience." That's my favorite line <laughs> in the show. Um, we're we're working at it from the student perspective. I mean, you know, a lot of folks that would be listening to this are are. From the folks, from, a lot of folks from Thomas Nelson that'll be listening to this, you know, faculty, staff, administrators who all know on our end what we've had to go through to pivot to COVID and to you know virtual classes and all of that, and and from a student perspective, you know, you've been involved in live theater, you're doing classes, everything goes virtual. Was doing this virtually. As a you know, was it something that sort of was less jarring because you just adapted after having done virtual classes through the end of the spring, and if you took classes during the summer and coming into the fall? Honestly, you would think that it would be easier, but it's not because you're working with an entirely different group of people. Whereas in class, nobody's camera is on. Nobody's looking at each other. The teacher's cameras aren't even on. Everybody's mic is off. Like everybody's just sitting here, not even looking at each other. And we're going through the lesson and calling it a day. Whereas here we have to make sure we see everything. So working through Zoom like this was much more difficult than doing it for class. <laughs> There was nothing easy about this. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. I ended up teaching my physics teacher how to use Zoom because I used those same tactics in the show. <laughs> um, as opposed to, you know, live rehearsals and, you know, generally live theater rehearsals five, maybe six nights a week. And you're going usually from seven to ten. I'm not sure what, what this one was. Uh, and since it was virtual, Dom, did you find it easier, more difficult, the rehearsal process than, than for a, a live production? Found it more difficult. Maybe, maybe that's just me. And because I'm used to being on stage, like my mind just knows how to work on stage. As soon as I get up there, I'm just like, all right, I know what to do. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. This is here. I move this here. I'm good. But for some reason, when you're in your own house, in your living room, with your siblings running around in the background who aren't a part of the cast, and you have the camera, it's it's entirely different. And it's so much more, maybe not difficult, maybe just more confusing. Maybe just more confusing because you're supposed to act off of other actors, but you can't act off if you can't see them. So when you just, you have to act with the wall, that's new territory for me. And, and if, if I can jump in, I ha I have to say when when you, you I have seen interviews with I mean, professional actors, Sir Ian McKellen and, and people like that who have to act nothing 
characters are trying to do forced perspective or they're, they're creatures who are going to be green screened in later or or those kind of things. Even they, at that level, talk about how difficult it is to act to nothing. And so for our students who are just beginning to learn their craft, to have to go through that experience, it's really impressive to me. And it was a, a huge ask to get them to, to work at that level in their homes with their siblings running around screaming. It, it's, a, it's a lot to ask of young actors to, to, to function at that level. And I think um, we had some, it's not that it's hard to take it seriously when you're filming it like this, but it doesn't feel as real. And um, we had some actors that even um, pretty late, Dom and I would just look at them and go, you know, we can tell you're reading your lines. Oh, yeah. Um, Oh, yeah. So in order to get, I think with everyone in their house, it also doesn't feel as urgent to sort of deliver production-worthy performances as early as it does when you're in the theater. Right. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, you feel like you ultimately got there, though, Dana? That you got you got the level of performances that... that I mean, we there's always going to be a caveat because of COVID and all of this, but I feel as if anything filmed doesn't have the because I'm not a filmmaker. Somehow filmmakers manage to get this intensity that we know how to bring on the stage. So, so I think I think that. Um, we're really proud of what we did, but I think we created a completely new animal in this. Oh, we sure did. <laughs> we definitely did. <laughs> and, and I found when I was putting the final product together, I was surprised once we added, once we got everything cropped and the way it was supposed to be and added the effects and added the music, there are several scenes that I'm surprised how moving they really are, given given the limitations of the way it was recorded and the way it was filmed and what Dom was talking about, about not being able to to really react to another actor, they're, they're surprisingly effective. And there are some moments, there's uh, particular scenes that uh, take place in the comic book shop that, that David created, this world. And it looks like they're in the same room together. And I know how it was filmed. I edited the film together. And even I... And, and being totally brought into the world as I'm watching the scene go by, and I have to remind myself, oh, this was Zoom. They're not, they're miles away from each other when they did the scene. It's incredible. I think something that uh, really surprised me in, uh, I know I've talked about this a little bit with Dana in other conversations, is the the conversation we're having about accessibility right now in this environment and how Zoom is really changing that. And something that during my time at Thomas Nelson in the program that always impressed me was that it strives to make theater very accessible for anyone who wants to practice it, who wants to learn it. We want you to just come play, like come come do this thing that we do. And in transitioning to this digital format, like all of a sudden people's equipment comes into question, like what kind of microphone do you have? What kind of lighting do you have? And I think that by Dana putting in this idea of the backgrounds and changing up the Zoom game, it continues that mission of accessibility like students don't have to worry that you know maybe they're sharing a room with someone else or 
like what their house looks like because we're going to take care of that for them. Um, we're going to find a way to safely get them their costume so that they're not put at risk for COVID, but can still get the same access and have the same opportunity to learn this craft and to be in a show. And I just thought that was, that for me was like the the 100% best part is that knowing that like Thomas Nelson is still able to give this accessibility and to get this experience to whoever wants to be a part of it. Can I add something in really Oh yeah, go ahead. Because David just made me think about it. Um, We kind of made, we kind of had to make all of the students become well-rounded because they had to be their own lighting director and their own stage manager and their own like, line like line call out they had they had to do all of that by themselves with us just kind of through the camera can't really give it to them so they all had to find a green screen or get little like green um construction paper and tape it to their walls and find a whole different kind of light ring lights and all the whole bunch of other stuff and everybody needed their own personal little Jim and Rachel in their own in their own room so that they can make it look as if they're in the same area. Because not everybody had the same equipment. Some was recording from their tablet, which was scaring me. But <laughs> but I think that was that ended up being really good for people who um, needed... Sorry, you're yelling. But yeah, yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> and, and we had to also kind of become tech support. Oh, my... Yeah, occasionally I would, and it's, it, we would have, I mean, we actually had a few cast members who said, I don't know how to download something. So um, we would create um, a little breakout room and send, send them with a member of the staff so they could figure out how to download. And, um, and so I think they all got really familiar with Zoom too, you know, more than just a surface level. Right. Like Dom, they had to do their own lighting and their own. Absolutely. I had to make Facebook group messages. Like, these are the pictures you download for your scene. Here, this is your scene. Instead of them clicking on the link, we sent that link probably over 50 times. <laughs> and, and I can't find my background became the new, I can't find my costume. You know, yes. I can't find my prop. When Where's my prop? Where's my prop? Where's my background? Yeah. That's exactly what it was. Is it this background? No, wrong crap. Go no. we'll get your sword. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to start. I'm going to hit Michael with a question, and then I'm going to hit all y'all with the final question. Uh, but first, Michael, and actually anybody else that does want to chime in, you're obviously welcome to. Are you thinking of attempting more virtual productions? You know, you got the spring coming up and summer, and we don't know what the future has in store. Are you trying to think on the virtual level, or you just want to try to ride out what we've got right now and just wait until we can go live in whatever form that is in the future? As you say, we don't know what the future holds. Um, I I think we we had the same experience with She Kills Monsters. We were hopeful that we would be able to do it live by July, uh, and then we decided by around August first that we were going to do this this virtual format. Um, I think at the moment, we're all hopeful that we can do something live in the spring. Uh, but to be quite honest, we're, we're just ready for She Kills Monsters to open. I, I was working on it until uh, yesterday. Uh, in fact, I, I spent all day yesterday creating um, closed captions for it. 
uh, so it's now almost done. We're just waiting on the program, uh, the keepsake program that has all of our billing information in it. I think once She Kills Monsters is open and closed, then we're going to start talking in earnest about what we might be able to do in the spring. I think where we're going to kind of land is try to find something that is a musical that we could do either in person live or in a virtual way like this. Uh, and something also like She Kills Monsters, we might be able to do in the reverse. We might start planning for something virtual. And if things improve or there's a vaccine or some other therapy, we might be able to transition to doing something live all of a sudden. Surprise, surprise. Um, so uh, it's still early days. Uh, Dana and I just started talking about what we might do in the spring, and I have spent zero time on it because I've been focused on editing Chico's Monsters. So more soon. There you go. Um, I don't know if Dana was going to jump in, but <clears throat> one of the things that I mentioned to uh, to Jim uh, at the top of the hour, and then, of course, I've talked to Dana and Michael about separately, is that uh, my school program, our university, has been able to offer live theater during the pandemic. And we've been working with uh, IATSE members, USITT members, um, people that are super involved in film that uh, have been able to bring our campus, particularly our performing arts, into compliance so that we could offer live things. And we have all of these rigorous checklists and procedures that we follow that uh, I am ready and willing and let's go to share with Thomas Nelson if they want to look and see if it's something that they could do for the Mary Christian Auditorium or for other performance venues to be able to offer live even if we're still in pandemic uh, conditions. All right, last question. Round robin. This isn't the lightning round. It's just a round robin. So been through all this i mean from what less than a month from opening it gets shut down in the spring uh we juggle trying to figure out what when how are we going to do this finally figure out a way fast track self-taught self-learning zoom all this stuff now the show is done and getting ready to open what do you feel most, how do you feel rewarded for making it all happen? What was the most rewarding thing you got out of this whole experience? I can't say because it's a spoiler for the show. <laughs> but I like looking at it in my room is what I will say. <laughs> for for me, this, um, I was really gratified seeing when I would take a scene and, and some of the scenes when they were filmed in Zoom didn't work the way Dan wanted them to. People who were supposed to be next to each other were layered on top of each other in, in boxes the way Zoom does it. So I was able to take those apart and crop them and move them next to each other and then add the music underneath and it started to look and sound really professional. Um, that was that was really a lot of fun. Uh, and then I would send proofs of some of these scenes to Dana and get, get her feedback. And I think we... we she and I were both surprised. I don't want to speak for her, but I feel like we were both surprised at how things were turning out. We expected them to be at, at a certain level, and and our we exceeded their own expectations. I think, and that was that was a lot of fun. Honestly, 
what I, the most rewarding thing about this to me, because it would have been super easy to just say, you know what, pandemic, I don't know how to do this. I've never, I've never done, I, I'm used to being in a room with my cast. I'm used to, you know, sitting around doing table work and, and being up and around and moving with them and seeing them move. I think just the idea that we didn't give up, that we somehow managed to put something together. I, I think, I think that we, we all, the cast and the crew need to be really proud of the fact that we didn't ever say, you know what, we're done because it, it really, it felt like that could have happened at so many points along the way. Absolutely. And, and so, and I think, so I think it's, it's good for the students. You know what I mean? To sort, to see that idea of we made a commitment. We said we were going to do this and, you know, despite everything we did this. We killed killed monsters. Yay. You know? (laughs) Yeah, I know it would have been, I I mean, I just talked about how easy it'd be to just sort of coast and how, how easy at any step along the way, you just sort of go, "Uh, it is what it is. Well, I, I think it's sort of the idea of the show must go on taken to the nth power is, is kind of how we've been, doing this just keeping just the show must go on absolutely and we did didn't we dom oh we did we We definitely did you know by literal all means necessary the show went on right whether we were throwing costumes into their car or (laughs) downloading trying to teach them how to download backgrounds for the 80th time the show went on so much respect from 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 my end uh considering that i didn't build any sets or help paint any lights or paint a single thing or i didn't even have to unlock a door to get anybody into costumes <laughs> so it's that it's so i'm so separated from the whole thing i really appreciate everything y'all did and i do i want to thank y'all for all uh, taking time out of you know, our Zoom fatigue and busy schedules and classes and administrations and, and work life and home life to, to talk about all this. Um, Michael, Dana, David, Dom, Kara, I do. I appreciate y'all being on here. Thank you. Thank you for thank, having thank me. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank yes, you for agreed. having us. Thank you. <laughs>